0: Welcome to Pragmatic Live, the podcast series for product management and product marketing professionals. I'm Lisa Sorgfriedman and today I'm talking with Emily Hoffelman, Director of Marketing at CenterCode, which offers beta test management solutions. CenterCode is committed to helping companies of all shapes and sizes improve their products through successful customer validation, also known as beta testing. As director of marketing, Emily is responsible for expanding the reach and scope of CenterCode's marketing efforts to help more companies achieve customer validation for their product. Today we're going to discuss the value that beta can bring to the table and walk through the process of running a solid beta test for your product. Thanks for being with us, Emily. Why don't we get started um, with just a definition of beta testing?
1: Perfect, yeah. Beta testing is the stage of testing that comes after QA, so after the people on your team have thoroughly tested the product in the lab, after alpha testing but before release. And it's real people in real environments using the product as though they had bought it. So it's not friends, family, or employees, but volunteers that fit your target market using your product. And then during the beta test itself, you're then collecting feedback on the customer experience. So you collect bug reports, feature requests, journals, discussions, run surveys, have testers complete tasks, or submit videos. Whatever feedback you really need to make improvements to your product based on that customer feedback so you can launch a product that you know is really solid. Um, it's really your chance to see if, product, if the product is delivering what you think it is and what your customer is expected to once it's out in the world.
0: All right. Well, can you talk us – through the process, you know, maybe give us an overview of the beta testing process?
1: Sure. So most beta tests follow um, a couple basic stages. So there's the planning stage where you're really figuring out um, how long your test is going to be, how many testers you're going to have. Then you go into recruiting. So how do I find the exact right people to test my product and put it through its paces? Then you're distributing your product. Um, and getting it into the hands of of your volunteer testers. Next, you're managing the test itself, so collecting that feedback, keeping your users engaged, giving them things to do. Um, Then once you've collected everything you need, you close out your test, thank your testers, get your product back, and then the final stage is distributing that data into uh, the hands of the right people at your company so they can do something with it.
0: All right. Well, you make it sound simple. (laughs) But I have a feeling it's not. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't you take us through each of these steps in a little bit more detail, starting with the planning
1: phase. Okay. So the planning phase is key. Um, running a beta test um, is really comes down to the planning that you put into it um, at the very beginning. So the first piece is to get all of the stakeholders at the table. So every, everyone who can benefit from beta so that you really understand their goals and can collect feedback that's useful to them once you have the, your customers using the product. Um, and so from there you can set your objectives. I've found that a lot of companies just view beta as a QA exercise, as just a way to find some final bugs before their products out in the world. But it can do a lot more than that for your marketing team, your support team, product management, your usability folks. All of them can benefit from how users are, are really reacting to your product. So if you can all put your heads together and set some objectives for what your test um, can achieve, that we'll put you in a really good place to get started. And then the next thing you need to figure out is how big and how long your test needs to be. So how many testers do we actually need to cover our full target market and make sure that we're getting a full picture of how our product does? And then how long do they need to use the product so that we can really get an idea of the customer experience and, and if it's delivering what we want? And then the final piece is, is designing your feedback collection processes and workflows to make sure that you're collecting all the relevant pieces of feedback and all the details that you need so that you can do something with it. And then you know what you're gonna do with that feedback so that as it's coming in and you know your testers are submitting all these great bug reports and ideas, you have a process in place to get it to the people who can actually use that data to do something. Mm-hmm. So it really does sound like it's
0: important to have – to really know who your stakeholders are going to be. Otherwise, you're going to set the wrong objectives, and you're not going to be collecting the relevant feedback either.
1: Exactly, and you're going to end up with this pile of data afterwards that nobody can do anything with.
0: Yeah. So how do you think about the the right stakeholders? Because it seems inevitably somebody's left out of the mix. Yeah. I mean, I'm not talking necessarily (laughs) beta testing, but just (laughs) – it's always the Sorry, case right
1: there's there's yeah. always someone um and that's why you, you kind of have to think about it beforehand um and really just talking about all the people who have a stake in your product and a stake mm-hmm. in the customer experience. so talk to your dev team and your q a team and and find out what would be valuable for them if they got to sit down with your customer. What would they want to know? Your marketing and p r teams um, always love having information from real customers um and executives. Too. What's going to make it valuable to them? What's going to show them the ROI of beta? Um, and what high-level data do they need to see to to show that this product is going to be a or that you're making the right changes to get it there? Um, and it's really just anyone who has a hand on the product, which probably sounds like everybody, um, getting some of their feedback to find out what would be most useful will make your beta test really sticky and will make sure you're improving the ROI and, and really getting – Every drop of value out of your beta once it launches, okay all right, so what about recruiting then so recruiting is a' it's really tough it's it's one of the big things that um our customers struggle with so for recruiting, you need to make sure you are getting the very best and and the right people using your product. So a lot of companies will say, okay, well, I had my employees try it out, or I had some of my friends and family try it out, and they used it, and, and you know they told me what they thought. But if those people aren't reflective of the target market of your product, you're getting feedback from the wrong people. So that can put your product in the completely wrong direction if you're taking that word as gospel. So you need to sit down and think about, okay, what is my target market? What are the core criteria everybody in my target market meets? Are they all fitness buffs? Do they all have the same job title or job responsibilities? Um, Are they certain income level? Are they certain decision makers at a company? And then you need to look at the segmentations of your market. So um, are half iOS users, half Android users, um, do half fit have experience with my product in the past and half are new users. Whatever those segmentations are so that your beta tester team can reflect that. And once you know who your team needs to be, then the second piece is actually figuring out where they are. So how am I going to find these masses of volunteers who will raise their hand and give feedback on my product? And um, and that can take a wide variety of uh, of Of mechanisms. So it might be through social, um, partnerships with blogs, your existing customer database. Um, Mm -hmm. It could be through professional organizations. It really just depends on your product. Mm -hmm. And then the final piece is how am I going to figure out which ones are the right testers for me? So you need to build a qualification process. Um, A qualification survey is usually the best way to do it that they fill out so that you can select the very best testers and build that mini target market in your beta test.
0: Hmm. I like that mini target market. <laughs> that's that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. So a little microcosm. Yeah. All right. So if you've successfully gotten yourself through recruiting the right people, then what about product distribution?
1: Yeah, so the next step is to get your product actually into their hands. And if this is a hardware product, that means you're shipping out units, um, and and you're, sh- you're physically getting it into their homes, because beta testing, it needs to happen in the environment where they would actually be using the product, so their homes or their businesses, not uh, like usability testing where it's happening in a lab or in your mm-hmm. office. So you're either shipping them a product, or you're sending them um, a software product to download. And... Um, the important piece to remember here is you need to be able to connect that beta unit or that beta version back to the tester. So it's not just throwing out a bunch of beta units into the world and, you know, matching and sending them, you know, to people. You need to be able to connect the issues that each user has with your product to the exact unit or the exact build that they were using when it happened. So you need to have some processes on the back end to really track and and manage those beta units and keep an eye on them. And that makes it a lot easier then to get those super secret beta units back at the end. Um, And you also want to distribute a product that's as close to the actual new customer experience as possible. So you don't just want to send them a download link or send them a unit with no context. You want – the onboarding documentation um, or account setup process to be in place because those initial experiences with the product are hugely important to the customer experience. So during beta, you want to collect feedback on what was frustrating about that process. Um, Was there anything that was confusing? Did it not do or do something that you didn't expect so that you can make sure that your real customers and um, have a wonderful experience with your product during those initial interactions.
0: All right. So we've talked then a little bit about product distribution and getting it into the right hands, making sure that everybody uh, – that you can tie back each product. Um, then what Then what happens? You've got to manage the test itself.
1: Yeah. So right. now you get into the meat of it, the fun part, right? So your, your beta testers are using the product, and now you're going to have, hopefully, this flood of really interesting insights and, and feedback coming in about what that experience is actually like. Um, so one of the challenging things about actually managing your test is keeping your beta testers engaged and actually participating. So a lot of companies struggle with they give out a 100 beta units to uh beta testers and then they get feedback from 30 of them and they have no idea what happened with the other ones. So there's a lot of psychology that goes into beta testing and you need to leverage that to keep your testers engaged and giving you feedback. Um, and a lot of that comes with your communication processes and your mm-hmm. and validation. Um, your your beta testers don't want to feel like their feedback is going into this black hole, right? And so it's it's incredibly important that you acknowledge them and say, hey, thanks, that was a really useful bug, or that's a really interesting idea. Um, can you tell me more about that or how you would use this feature if it was in the product? And just those little gestures um, will really make your testers feel like they're being listened to, and it they'll pay you back in tenfold in more data and more time with your product and more detailed feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, Then the second piece is actually collecting and processing the feedback. So you're going to have things like bug report forms, feature request forms, um, discussion forums, surveys that you're having them fill out, and then you need to be cleaning and processing that data on the back end so that your stakeholders can then use it. So you need to make sure that your forms, for example, are complete, and they're collecting all the information your QA and dev teams need, but aren't collecting a bunch of useless information that's just making it frustrating for your testers to submit a bug report each time. So you know, say, for example, um, if it's a smartphone app, you can collect information at the beginning about the type of smartphone they have, what version of you know, Safari or Chrome that they have, um, or what version of the OS that they're using. Then you have all that data and you've collected it once, And you don't need to collect it every single time on your bug report form, so it makes it a lot easier for your testers to submit bugs once the test is going. Okay. Well,
0: you know, we've talked a little bit about um, getting up to the test itself, but are there any numbers that people would want to aim for for the number of participants in a test, or does it vary depending on the product?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. What I've actually found is that companies tend to think that they need a lot more beta testers than they actually need. Um, they'll come to us and say something like, I need 5,000 beta testers to get feedback. And usually you don't need that big of a pool. Unless you have incredibly complex segmentations and target markets that you're trying to meet, Getting trying to manage that many people um, is, is going to – be incredibly time-consuming, and you're probably going to get a lot of the same feedback over and over again. So we usually find that tests around 100 to 200 testers um, is a good place to be where it's manageable, and you can still have a diverse enough tester pool that you're covering a lot of ground. Okay.
0: Well, and then when when you pull these people, does it matter at all geography? I mean, I know that that you've got to focus on your um, segment you know market segmentation and mm-hmm. the uh the core criteria, but um does that kind of thing matter or again is that something that just de- depends on the product and and who the actual customer is?
1: yeah, that's really going to depend on your target market and kind of your objectives for the project mm-hmm. as well, so we've seen some companies that maybe they want a beta test in one specific market. And, and the product will go national eventually, but for their initial beta test, they wanna test with one market so that they can focus on some of the variables um, that, it would eliminate basically some of the variables that they might have to deal with if they're trying to do a nationwide test. So mm-hmm. they only wanna focus on users in Minneapolis, um, but they're going to you know take that feedback into account and maybe run something larger scale later. So you definitely don't want your team to be out of balance. So if you're trying to get a good spread of the U.S. population and all of your testers, you know, are in California and New York, then you're probably missing the mark on some of your um, target market. So you want to kind of, unless you're trying to reach a specific objective, you want to kind of go for balance. Okay. All right. And then once you've managed
0: the test itself, you've got your test, your testers, and you're collecting feedback from it.
1: Uh, what do you need to do next? So next you need to close your test. And usually you're going to know from the very beginning kind of how long you want your test to be. Um, some companies will try and just keep it open-ended and say, well, we'll we'll let the beta test go on as long as we're getting feedback. But it's really better to have a time frame that's associated with your objectives. So, you know, in one week we're focusing on the onboarding experience and the next week we're focusing on, you know, the, um, these three key features and, the, and really aligning your timetable with your objectives. So you have an end date um, where then you can close out the test. Your, your testers understand how long they're kind of on the hook to be involved in this and you have a clean ending instead of things just kind of petering out. Um, and once you start to close your test, it's, you're collecting the units, um, assuming you need to collect the units. You can also, uh, if your product is stable enough, let your testers keep the uh, beta unit as a thank you for their participation, which lots of beta testers love actually getting to keep the product that they helped to improve. So that can be a really nice gesture. Um, but mm-hmm. if you do need to collect it, you can time bomb um, your software, if that's appropriate, to make sure it's not usable afterwards. And um, then if you're collecting units, you just need to make sure you set up that expectation early. So um, at the very beginning, send a return shipping label when you ship the unit to the testers with instructions on how to return it. And uh, most of the time, just some gentle reminders and setting the expectations up early will make sure you get the units back really quickly. And then the other piece of closing your tests um, is just thanking your testers. It's a small gesture. But it means a lot to your testers of just taking that final moment to acknowledge this and say, you've done a really valuable thing for us. You've helped us improve this product. We care very deeply about how our customers feel, and, and we really appreciate you taking this time. Um, that will help your testers feel appreciated, and it means more to them often than than a gift card or any other thank you gift that you give them and it'll set you up so that you have enthusiastic testers the next time that you need to call on the community to uh, to come back and give the next version of your product a, a good run through.
0: Mm-hmm. So to me, then, I'm thinking the flip side of this is when you're soliciting testers in the first place, um, what's one of the good ways to find them? I mean, we did talk through, you know, looking through professional organizations and and um, social media and things like that, but what's what what kind of... Um, message might you give them? Because, you know, you talk about um, the perhaps giving the testers the product at the end or just thanking them and letting them know how helpful what they did for you was. So
1: what do you tell them up front? Yeah, we very specifically don't tell our testers um, about any incentives or thank you gifts that they're going to get. We do give everybody who participates, some sort of thank you gift, a gift card, product, something like that at the Mm -hmm. end. But we don't message that up front. And that's because you don't want to attract people with the wrong motivations. So most of your messaging should really be focusing on the beta testing experience, getting to improve the product, getting to work with developers to um, make a product that they use in their daily life better. And that is a really motivating factor. And if you collect testers and select testers that are motivated by that naturally, then they're going to give you much better feedback um, than the ones who are just motivated by a, a gift card that they think they're going to get at the end. So one of the ways that you can do that is with that qualification survey that you have at the beginning. Put in a couple open-ended questions about why are you interested in beta testing for us? Um, what, how do you use this type of product in your day-to-day life? And the ones that are detailed and passionate will kind of naturally come out, and those are the ones that you want to pull in, and will be your all-star beta testers.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, so when you have these uh, questionnaires in the beginning, do you weed people out? I mean, or, or do you just kind of tier the the people?
1: Yeah, we we definitely weed people out. We're incredibly selective um, with our testers, so. We'll usually recruit between five and ten times as many testers as we need um, into a test and then go through them and pick out the very best ones for each test. Um, And, yes, we're we're very picky. And I recommend all your listeners being picky, too. Yeah. And
0: so when you do that, when you have five to ten times the – or, you know, go through five to ten times the number of people and then select the very best, do you find that really does help with attrition rates? And engagement, okay.
1: Yeah, and that will give you a much higher participation rate once they're in the test by taking the time to really select those ones who are showing signs that they're really going to be engaged testers.
0: Oh, that's good to know.
1: Yeah. And there are little things, too, like look at their writing style. Who's writing in complete sentences and using proper grammar? You know, those small <laughs> things, that's going to reflect in the time and care that they take with using your product and giving feedback, too. So unless you need people who communicate, you know, via text, and, and that's your target market, in which case, go for it. But we we tend to look for some of those other qualities as well in our testers. Yeah,
0: that's
1: good advice. Right, so
0: finally, when you're you're getting to the end now, you you're closing out your test, thanking the testers, collecting data. Now you're going to distribute the data to your company.
1: So, what do you need to think about? Yeah, this is the the big part, right? This is what you've worked towards, and you've collected all this amazing feedback, and now you need to get it into everybody's hands so they can actually do something with it and make your product um, even more amazing before it goes out to the world. Um, So you need to get the data to the right stakeholders with all of the relevant details as quickly as you can so that it can have an impact. So QA is going to need the bugs that you collected along with all that information you have about the technical environments and the demographics and who saw what bug when. Your support team will need usability issues, uh, documentation, feedback, and and holes um, in whatever your quick start guides and that kind of thing. And any workarounds that your beta testers found to known issues so that your support team can be ready with those um, workarounds if your customers run into them as well. Uh, Your marketing team is going to need quotes, uh, mock reviews, and scores that you collected from your beta testers, testimonials and any positioning data. So um, our testers loved this about our product and didn't use this feature at all. That's something your marketing team can use to affect their messaging. Um, And then your product managers, that team will use a lot of this data and just to understand the customer experience, but they can also use feature requests for product roadmap validation and just inspiration for future versions of the product and what customers are, are clamoring for. So the key with all of this data is to make sure that it's clean um, and organized, and if you can, prioritize it so that your stakeholders can actually use it instead of just looking at a raw spreadsheet and saying, oh my gosh, well, where do I even start? <laughs> so taking yeah. some time to pull out key in- insights and say, hey, this surprised me, but our testers were saying this, or you know, overwhelmingly our testers found this to be problematic, pulling out a couple of those insights and saying, hey, these are the big things that I think are important to you as a stakeholder coming away from this test will kind of get them started in thinking um, about how they can use the data to, to make an impact on the product. Well, that's good to know.
0: Well, I don't want to wrap things up until I've asked you about the top mistakes that
1: people make when they're doing beta uh-huh. testing.
0: What do people yeah. need to avoid doing?
1: So there are a couple things I see pretty frequently. Um, the first is being too optimistic about the schedule and too aggressive about the schedule. So time and time again, I see companies say, okay, we're going to be ready for beta in two weeks. Um, we don't have the app yet, companion app, uh, but but we'll be there. And, you know, a month later, I'm still hearing that. So um, be realistic with the time frame and your schedule, and, and make sure that you have time to absorb a couple of delays if, say the latest version of, of your software or something holds them, um, the process up. And then also on that note, um, companies often underestimate the ramp up time that it takes to actually get a beta test going. So if you're doing beta tests year round, you can probably get a beta test going um, in a week or two if you have a community all ready to go and your process is all worked out. But if this is a new area for you, Um, and a new skill set, you're going to need probably a month or two to build that community, get all your processes in order, and make sure everything's solid before you can go. Mm -hmm. The second thing um, that I see a lot is just not taking the time to manage and motivate testers. So companies will just think, well, we'll just give them the product, and they'll just use it, and they'll just tell us what we think. but if you don't have some of those communication processes in place and you're not setting expectations and actively trying to manage your testers, you're you're not going to get the feedback that you need. Um, they're not going to naturally necessarily raise their hand and say, hey, here's this thing, if you haven't really primed them um, and explained to them how to give that feedback and what's most useful to you.
0: All right. Well, that's, that's good to know. So you said if somebody is new to beta testing that generally they should allow themselves one or two months to uh, build a community. Um, are there any other rules of thumb for establishing a timeline
1: to do beta tests if you're new to it? I think the sooner that you can start thinking about it, the better. Um, customer feedback can provide all sorts of value throughout the product development um, life cycle. So. If you're really early in your product development, you can start getting feedback from, from customers early, um, showing them wireframes, asking about features, and that will kind of get you into a rhythm of building that community of users, finding out who gives good feedback, finding out how you're gonna use the feedback on a smaller scale before you even get to the beta phase and want to do something larger. So, toying around with some of that, those customer feedback mechanisms and and some of the processes earlier in your product development can get you ready to go once the beta phase
0: comes. Okay, well I like that. It sounds like that's um, it's just really smart to get customers involved, you know, to get their feedback throughout
1: the life cycle, even yeah. before the beta we, testing. So, we make a lot of assumptions about our products and and how much customers are going to love them and sometimes it's a little hard to uh, just get real customers using it and hear that maybe some of those assumptions and hypotheses were were not exactly accurate. So the sooner that you can start getting feedback from real users and and testing your own assumptions about your product, the better. Great. Well, thanks so much for
0: being with us today, Emily. Uh, You've given us a lot to think about for the uh, basics of beta and beta testing 101.
1: It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me.
0: To learn more about beta testing, check out our website, pragmaticmarketing.com. We've got articles, webinars, eBooks, and white papers to help you become more market-driven. Center Code also offers a resource library with detailed resources on beta testing. Check them out at centercode.com slash library.